If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13. Now while you're finding Romans chapter 13, if you were here this morning, you know that I only got about half of my sermon preached. I had something, else, I, there was another direction I originally thought I was going to go tonight, uh, but the uh, Lord has just kind of impressed upon me to finish what I started this morning. I was a preaching this morning for those, there are several of you that weren't here this morning, and for those that weren't here this morning, uh, or those that have slept since then and forgotten, uh, I'll remind you, uh, this morning I preached out of Second um, Corinthians Really, my verse was 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. But I started to get the whole passage of Scripture. I started back in chapter 5. And I just kind of walked through with you the context of what uh, the message is, what the Apostle Paul had written there. Uh, we went through where he talked about uh, the changes taking place in us and how that ministry of reconciliation had been given to us. Uh, and that, you know, our labor in the Lord. And then there's a quote in there from Isaiah 4, chapter 48, and we talked briefly about that quote from uh, Isaiah and then how Paul uses that as kind of a, launch, a launching point to bring out what it is I preached, began to preach on this morning, which is, Behold, now is the day of salvation. The prophet Isaiah was talking about this day of salvation that was to come, and Paul is saying, I'm declaring it here in your hearing. Now is that day, today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so I began to preach to you uh, this morning uh, on the thought or the premise or the point uh, that now is the right time. And so my point that I never got past is now is the right time to be saved. Uh, today, behold, now is the day of salvation. I want to go on and work from there because I had a couple other points that I feel like God wanted me to make. So as we look at Romans chapter 13 was the next set of scriptures I was going to take you to uh, if things would have went different this morning. Romans chapter 13 beginning in verse 11, okay? Now there's going to be a phrase that is armor of light. Um, first thing I thought of when, I come, when you come across, you know, talking about armor in the scripture, armor of light, I'm thinking of uh, the armor of God. You know, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness, and, you know, shield of faith, and you, we just go right on down through the whole list. You know, it's the first thing I thought of. But that's not really what is meant. I mean, you could see some similarity and connection, but that's not, a, that's not exactly what is meant. Armor of light is not an interchangeable phrase with armor of God. What is meant by armor of light, which you'll see here in uh, just a minute, I believe it's in verse 12, what is meant by armor of light, putting on the armor of light, that's simply a phrase that he uses to mean um, talking about the protective covering of holy life is the way some would say it. I've heard somebody else say it one time, the protection that practical righteousness provides. In other words, uh, it, it's what comes with living right, right? Uh, you know, it, my dad used to tell me if you live right, you've got a whole lot less to worry about. That's kind of what he's getting at. You know, there's a, there's a certain amount of protection that comes with living right, right? And so anyways, uh, that's what he's getting at, that armor of light there. Uh, all right, let's, so let's look at this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 11, says, In that 
knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here one more time this evening. Lord, thanking you for the good day and for the many blessings. Thanking you for the opportunity to gather here tonight to worship together, to lift our voices up together, to praise you together, to fellowship together, to hear your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the blessing, for the opportunity, Lord. Uh, Lord, you've been so good to us, so much better than what we deserve, Lord. Uh, every breath that we draw, it's a gift from you. But we thank you most of all tonight for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him in giving so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, my prayer is that you go with us tonight. Your presence has already been felt here, but uh, I need your help tonight. Lord, as I attempt to continue to preach your word tonight, uh, I haven't got nothing worth saying unless you give it to me. So I'm asking that you clear my mind of everything except for your thoughts, your words, your message. And I'm asking, Lord, for uh, your holy anointing, for your holy unction. Lord, I'm wanting you to place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say tonight. God, my heart's desire is, to, is just to preach from my spirit to their spirit, Lord. Lord, I, I want everyone to leave here knowing that they've heard from you tonight. And so, Lord, that's what I'm asking is that you'd use me as your vessel tonight to carry your message to your people. So, Lord, I'm just asking, Lord, help me get it out of the way and let you be God of this service tonight. And, Lord, my heart's desire is for you to minister amongst the people here tonight. Lord, you know the needs. You know what we stand in need of, where we fall short, what we struggle with, what we're going through, what we're facing, what is ahead of us. Lord, there is nothing that is hidden from you, nothing that you don't know. So, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, have your way in our midst, and we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, help us tonight to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, convict us of where we've fallen short. Lord, help us to live holy lives that bring you glory and are pleasing in your sight. And Lord, above everything else, if there's one among us that doesn't know you, if there is one that is lost and undone, oh God, let tonight be the night they'd get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. And so Lord, I'm asking, Lord, just have your way and your will in our midst. Preach me one more time here tonight and I'll give you all the glory for it. We love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.
I'd say that these words of the Apostle Paul, now I, I, I attribute them to Paul, but understand that it is the Holy Spirit that is the author of the Word of God. Uh, Paul is just the vessel that he used to hold the pen, right? And as I've explained and talked about before, you can, you, you, you can see some of his individuality come out through uh, the writing that God used him for. And so these words of the Apostle Paul, are, they're powerful and they're timely. What I mean by that is, they, is not only did they speak to uh, the Christians in the first century, they've spoken to Christians in all centuries since then, but it seems that they especially speak to us in our current time as we are faced with a world that is filled with darkness, sin, and temptation. Right? We've heard about some of that in our prayer request, uh, in our prayer time already this morning. The Apostle Paul reminds us here that the hour has already come for us to wake up from our slumber, right? From our sleep, right? It's high time that we wake up and that we be alert and that we be ready for the coming of the Lord, right? That's what all of this is really pointing to, right? What I talked about this morning, what I've talked about today, right? Uh, Behold, now is the day of salvation. The coming of the Lord, right, is, it, it, it's nearer than when we first believed, right? Uh, it's coming, it's closer than it's ever been, right? We need to, wait, we need to wake up. We need to uh, be ready for the coming of the Lord. Listen, that's what he's talking about when he uses language like he does here. And he says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost at hand. That is what he's speaking of. This is a call to action for us. As believers, right? It's a call uh, to put aside the deeds of darkness and to put on that armor of light. Let me give one more stab at that armor of light. As father... Dad, head of my house, like I heard him say in a movie one time, paterfamilias, I think that's a Latin term. There's occasionally that Dad needs to exercise that right. There's been a few times, as my children were teenagers, and they can... Both attest to it, and ain't neither one of them liked it, but sometimes it's just the way it was. Where I said, let me see your phone. Where I said, I'm going to read your text. That was the reason why, I forget now what that app was, Snapchat. That's the reason why I told both of my kids no. Because it deletes them, it erases them afterwards, you know, and there's, it's hard to go back and recover. And I told them, I said, No. No, no, you're not going to hide words in darkness. And I understand privacy. I understand sometimes there's things that you say with other people that it's not that it's anything wrong, but that you don't, you know, you just wouldn't want everybody to see that. It's kind of embarrassing. I get it. I totally get it. So it wasn't something that I just exercised all the time. But it was something when there was a time or two and I felt like I needed to. I needed to know what was happening and going on. Where I did. 
you, you do know, as a little bit of a shock for, I think, at least one of my children, but deleted texts aren't really deleted, right? They can be recovered just as fast and easy as they can be deleted. So you can delete all of them you want, and somebody that knows what they're doing, go back and bring them all back and read them all. Armor of light. If you don't say anything, if you don't say anything that you need to hide in darkness, then what do you got to worry about? Do you understand what, I, do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what, he's, that's what he's talking about. He's saying to put away all this filthiness, right? Uh, sexual immorality, right? Drunkenness, wantedness, right? Uh, dissension, right? Uh, um, slandering, strife. You know, he's saying put aside all of these things, right? Put, put those aside. Put on the armor of light. You haven't got nothing to hide. You ain't got anything to worry about, right? I mean, is the enemy going to attack you? Is he going to say untrue things about you? Sure he is. But here's the thing. They ain't true, right? So he's telling us here, put aside all of that stuff. Put on the armor of light. I've all, my policy has always been, in, in my house with my children, and this goes along. I mean, think about this this way. But anyways, is that you can do, I mean, obviously, you can't be 12 years old and drive. You don't have a driver's license, so there's some exceptions. But, you know, the one thing that always comes around is watching TV shows and movies or whatever. I'm not going to watch anything that my children can't watch. I'm not going to write anything that they couldn't read. And they don't need to be writing anything that they don't mind that mom or dad read, right? Or watching anything that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't sit down and watch with mom and dad. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's getting at here. That's the same principle here with this armor of light. He's telling us, right, we are to behave decently as in the daytime, right? Not giving in to carousing and drunkenness and, and as I said a minute ago, sexual immorality and debauchery and, 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 and strife and envies and, you know, jealousy and all of that kind of stuff, right? Those are the works of the flesh, those are the things that we try to cover up. Those are the things that we hide. He's saying, put all that aside and put on the armor of life, the protection of living a holy life, living righteously. Because we're called to put off the works of the flesh and to resist them. We're instead to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that we are to put on his character, his values, his way of life. We're to become like him in every way. That's literally what being a Christian means, be Christ-like. We're to live in obedience to his word and we're to walk in his spirit. And this is the only way, right, in this wicked world that is full of sin 
and temptation and darkness, that is the only way that we're going to walk in it and we're going to resist temptation, right? Is if, if we're clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We're living in obedience to his word and we're walking in his spirit. That's the only way that we're going to resist the temptations of this world and remain faithful to the Lord. I heard one preacher, I didn't hear, I read where one preacher had wrote one time, it's not great talents that the Lord blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. Think about that for a while. I thought that was pretty good. It's not great talents that the Lord blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. That's what we're described to be. So I told you this morning, now is the time, right? Now is the right time for salvation. Right? Now is the right time to be saved. Well, my next point that I want to make to you tonight, and that's what I'm coming from this scripture, is now is the right time to leave sin. Now is the right time, right? It's high time that we awake out of sleep, right? Now it's, it's time for us to, to wake from our moral slumber, right? Listen to me, church. The world and its influences have crept into... I, I talked about this morning how it's crept into the church. It has crept into the Christian's life while we have slept and while we have slumbered, right? Morally, we have... Uh, uh, we've just looked the other way. We've let it go. We've, we've turned a blind eye. We've become accustomed to it. It doesn't offend us like it used to. It doesn't bother us like it used to. Listen to me. This is not a, a new uh, phenomenon. This is not something uh, that has just come about in recent times. It has got exponentially worse. The sister testified to us just a while ago about... Uh, uh, about being a survivor of abortion. You said May 1st, 1950, right, sister? May, did you hear that? 1950. Not, not 2020. 1950. Glory to God. I'm thankful that the court ruling that has overturned uh, Roe v. Wade, but my goodness, how many years did it take? And we live, I really feel like we live in a time, I'm a little bit on edge, just a few changes in judges, and then it could flip back the other way, or so many things could happen. Listen to me, it is time for us to wake up. Church, it is not, it's not okay. We cannot continue to be okay with sin. It ought to bother you when somebody takes the Lord's name in vain. Somebody tells a joke that maybe it's a little bit off color, maybe that's just their lingo or whatever, and they slip in there and kind of, you know, take the Lord's name in vain. Shame on you if you just laugh and go on. It ought to bother you. It ought to hurt us. When we turn on the television and we see a man kissing a man, a woman kissing a woman, my goodness, better implying some sort of uh, unnatural relationship with them. Understand that right there, my friends, is that is moral depravity, right? That is an abomination to God. That is not natural. That's not, that's not, there's nothing right about that. It ought to sicken you to your very core. It ought to bother us. You know what we usually do, though? 
we usually think, man, I wish they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't show that junk. I don't want to see it. But we don't. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we're getting more okay with it and we're getting more comfortable with it. Church, that ain't no good. We're called to a higher standard than that. We're called to live holy lives. We're called to leave the things of darkness. It is, I made myself a note here. I wanted to come back and read it the way I wrote it. This is is altering the way we think and operate. It's corrupting us. It's changing the way we view sin and God. Hear me. This moral slumber that we've been in, right? Moral is, you know, what is fundamentally at the core, right and wrong, right? Uh, if a person is moral, then this is, that's their deep-seated beliefs of what is right and what is wrong. This moral slumber that we're in, right? Truth is not fluid. It doesn't change. What is right is not fluid. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It's not determined by what a judge on a bench says. I said a minute ago, I'm thankful for the more recent ruling, but listen to me. They ought, that, that same Supreme Court also ruled a few years ago that it was okay for homosexuals to get married, and we can call that marriage. Listen to me. That does not make it right. God does not get, or I mean, man does not get to determine what is right and what is wrong. Only God determines that. And he hath made it clear to us. He has laid it out here in his word and made it just and made it clear to us. He has given us, listen to me, if that's not clear enough for you, he has given his Holy Spirit, right? To come along and, and, and not only to walk with us, to help us, but to reside within us, right? And to push us, to nudge us in the right direction, to help us to understand His Word. And whenever we do something we shouldn't, it grieves His Holy Spirit. Don't tell me you don't feel that or don't know that. If you don't feel it, you don't know it, you can't sense it when you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you better come down here to this altar because there is something spiritually wrong with you. You might be spiritually dead. It's time that we wake up because this moral slumber, this this sleep that we've been in, It's causing us to be okay with things that we used to never be okay with. It's time for us to throw off all sin. The Bible tells us that we are to cast off the works of darkness. Cast them off. The language that it uses there is, is the exact same language it would use when it was 
It's talking about taking off a set of dirty clothes so you could put on some clean clothes, right? It, that, that is in the, in the Greek language. It's the exact same wording. That's what it's saying. That is the word picture, the illustration. That's the picture that he wants you to have in mind is you cast off the works of darkness just like you would pull off some old dirty clothes so that you could put on some clean clothes. That's what he's wanting you to do. Cast off the, uh, the, the works of darkness so that you can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and live a holy life that glorifies Him. We are to put off all anger, malice, bad language, filthy talk, right? We are to put off all deceit and hypocrisy and evil speaking, right? We are to put off all filthiness and wickedness. We are to put off all things that pertain to the old man. If you've been saved, you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you are no longer the old man. You are now a new creature in Christ. What am I saying? It's time to walk in the light. It's time that we walk honestly, right? Our daily life should be an outward evidence of the inward change that has taken place in us. And in other words, the fact that we are a Christian should show. You shouldn't have to go around wearing a name tag telling everybody that you're a Christian. I'm not saying every lost person out there, you know, drunkard wandering around in the darkness and wilderness should understand what you are, but they should understand that there is something different about you. I talked this morning about the deception of Satan. I think that's where I got caught up and lost all my time this morning was talking about him being a great deceiver. One of the deceptions that he has sold to the church in this day that we live in now is that we need to look like the world. We need to, be, we need to blend in, right? I'm sure it started before this, but where I first have heard about it and it's come in, of course it's been 20 or 30 years ago now it started to infiltrate, is the seeker-sensitive seeker movement. Right, So in other words, your worship service and everything in it should be geared so that a lost person will walk in and feel right at home and be comfortable. That's the philosophy. And listen to me. It is so permeated the church world in the thinking. Right, There is, there is men that I would absolutely consider honest, sincere, godly men that has, been, has left that kind of thought Right, come into their thinking and influence the way that they lead their church and organize their service to the point that that's exactly what they're doing. That is, I, I mean, from a human mind's standpoint, from a worldly point of view, from a, if this was a business instead of God's house, it makes perfect sense. And it'll work. It won't get people saved. It'll produce a whole house full of carnal Christians. And carnal Christians ain't no Christian at all. It's just a term that we use for lost people that come to church. Can I just tell, I'll just be blunt with you. Ain't it something the older you get, the blunter you get? Used to, I'd have danced around a few times, you know, and, and tried to soften a little bit, but the older I get, the more I just say it. 
when somebody lost walks in these doors. Praise the Lord when they do. They're at the right spot. Guarantee it. When they walk in the doors, they ought to know that they are welcome. You need to do and I need to do everything we can. Go plumb out of our way. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. Now I'm going to hurt your feelings here. I don't care what you know about their past and what they've done to you or your family at some point in the past. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You need to set all that aside. You're on mission for the king. And you need to go, and same, the same goes for me too. We need to go out of our way to make sure that they know that we want them here and they are welcome. We need to be hospitable. We need to be welcoming. We need to reflect the love of Christ, the same love that Jesus showed us. But listen to me. There is something that is happening in the spiritual realm at the same time. If they can walk in here and sit down in one of those pews and feel right at home, something is terribly wrong. Listen to me. They ought to feel welcome, but they should not feel at home. Right? When they come in and they sit down, glory to God, the, the lost man, the fleshly man, the carnal man, when we start praising Jesus, hallelujah, glory to the Lamb of God, we start lifting His name up, amen, hallelujah. When the Spirit of God begins to move, glory to God, the conviction of God, that old time Holy Ghost conviction that I'm always praying for, begins to fall, glory to God, they ought to get real uncomfortable, real fast. Listen, I can tell you about a day, hallelujah, whenever I come into a church house and oh, I knew that they wanted me there. I was welcomed. But I'm telling you something. It didn't take very long and the Spirit of God was moving and I wasn't very comfortable, right? I, I'm telling you something. There wasn't nothing wrong with the padding in that chair. But I'm telling you, I wasn't comfortable. I didn't feel at home at all. I'm telling you, it got to the point uh, uh, whenever, the, uh, whenever that preacher was a preaching, listen to me. Well, it started before that when the singing was a singing and everything that was going on there I knew by the time it got to the end I was going to have to make a move I needed to get out of there or I needed to come up here and make some changes I've said this before and I firmly believe it church when we're doing what we ought to be doing Now, let me preface it with this. It doesn't guarantee that our pews will be full and there'll be a huge crowd here. I wished it did. As a pastor, I can't help but look out and when the pews are empty, be discouraged. And when the pews are full, be excited. But that's, that's really the flesh. That's really saying something bad about me, not something good. Whenever... Go through the Gospels, and we'll get to it in Matthew when we get there. We'll get to a place or two where this happens, but you can find this in all four of the Gospels. When a big crowd got around Jesus, right, and it happened several times, big crowds start to gather around, what does Jesus do every time? He starts preaching kind of hard. And the same result happens every time. 
crowd thins out. It thins out a lot. Spirit of God ought to be so strong here. Two things ought to be happening. Well, three. A lot, lot more than two things. Two things I want to mention. One, if we're doing what we ought to be doing, and the Spirit of God is moving, I honestly believe that when somebody drives by on that road out there, they ought to know something's going on. <laughs> they ought to sense or feel something. That's ha- they may not understand. They may not have a clue what it is. But I'm telling you, that's what the power of God is like when it gets to moving. And the other thing is the lost people that come in, they should not be able to just sit here week after week, month after month, year after year, and just be okay with things and feel right at home. Conviction of God, the movement of the Spirit ought to be so strong that they come to the, a point, and I would hope it would be pretty quick, where they know that they're going to have to do something. They're either going to have to leave this place or they're going to have to get things right with God. Listen to me, church. That is not going to happen until we put off all these works of the flesh, all this... All them things that listed in the scriptures I read to you just a minute ago, right? Until we put all of those things off. Some of those we don't have any problem with. But other ones like envy and rife, you know, in other words, dissension, you know, disagreements and things like that. Man, it's so hard for us to put aside our own personal preferences and likes and what we want and how we think it ought to be. It's so hard for us to put that aside and just work together in perfect unity for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, now is the time. Now is the time to throw off all sin. Now is the time to wake up. Now is the time to walk in the light. Now is the time to leave sin behind. And your sin might be, it might be something big. It might be lust. It might be sexual immorality. You might be addicted to pornography. You might be having an affair. It might be something really big like that. Then again, it might be something smaller. You might just be cantankerous and hard to get along with. You might just have a habit of going around saying things that you hadn't ought to say. We've got to put it all off, all anger, malice, bad language, evil speaking, deceit, hypocrisy, filthiness, wickedness, all those things that pertain to the old man. It's dead. It's buried with Christ. We have got to put those things off. If we're going to walk in the light and we're going to put on the armor of the light and we are going to daily right, live the life that... that with a, that has an outward evidence of the inward change that's taking place in us. In other words, if we are going to live that life, right, the fact that we're a Christian, it should show. It's high time that we start striving for holiness. And let me add 
one more thing to this and I'll be done. Now is the right time to start serving God. For many of us, we come in, we, we give our heart to the Lord, and we try to start living right. But we kind of stop right there. Ephesians 5.15 says, See then, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, <clears throat> but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Our opportunity, uh, or opportunities, I should say, our opportunities to serve God, to do something that really matters, to make a difference for Christ's sake, they are limited. They are limited. I can't help but think about, and I know this isn't a perfect illustration at all, but I can't help but think about the rich man that was clothed in purple, right, that was... Uh, the story that Jesus tells about him and Lazarus that's in hell and how he begs for somebody to go and tell his brothers. Don't wait until it's too late to go and tell your brethren. To go and tell, he's talking about going and telling these brothers. That may be siblings, that may be children, that may be grandchildren, that may be neighbors, that may be friends. It could be anybody. But don't do like him and wait until it's too late and then just wish somebody. It is time for us to serve, serve the Lord while we have time. If we're going to make a difference in eternity, now is the only time to do it. I have to. I have to think sometimes. I would do good if I thought about it this way every time. This might be the last sermon I ever preach. You do not know when is the last time. This might be the last sermon that I ever preach. And I've got to ask myself, have I said, every time I walk away, I should be asking myself, if this is the last time I ever preach, have I said what I needed to say? Or have I left something undone? Listen to me. You never know when you, the last opportunity you have. You will have to witness to your children. When is the last opportunity you'll have to, to witness to that uh, dear friend or neighbor or whatever the case may be? You don't know when your last time, when your last time to have a positive impact on your grandchildren's life for Christ, right? Don't squander that opportunity. And listen to me. Today might be, are you hearing me? Today might be the last Sunday night that you're ever here. They is many. They is some that is, they is many that's left this world today. I look around and we've got several young people here. Listen to me, every one of you. There is folks a lot younger than you that have left this world and did not think for a moment that today was the day that they were going to die. Are you ready to face eternity? Can you stand before God saying, I have done everything I could have done? This altar call that I'm getting ready to give, it might be your last altar call.
today might be your last day. That's why the Bible says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's why I'm telling you that now is the right day to be saved, right? That's why I'm telling you that now is the right time to leave sin. That's why I'm telling you don't squander your opportunities because now is the right time to start serving God. As I mentioned to you this morning, as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, Satan likes to tell you that you've got plenty of time. For those that are young, he likes to remind you that you're young and you've got your whole life ahead of you. Plenty of time. Even for the rest of us. Satan says that you have plenty of time. But listen to me. You aren't guaranteed anything past right now. If you are lost... Don't be deceived into thinking that you'll get things right on another day. That you'll have another opportunity to get right with the Lord. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Listen to me. If, if, if there's some sin in your life, now's the time to cast that off like an old garment. Now is the time to repent and to leave that behind. Now is the time to start serving God. Now is the time to step out in faith. Now is the time to walk with the Lord and to walk in the Spirit. Now is the time to live a holy life. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait any longer. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? You got a burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it might be, would you come tonight? Don't miss this chance. Would you come?